Pizza, pizza, pizza time. The official pizza of the Shock Fantasy Podcast is 7th Avenue Pizza. This is soda-style thin crust at its absolute best. It's not that crappy thin crust. It's solid crust integrity here. Not too thick, not too thin. The sauce was derived from an ancient recipe passed down from the Norse gods. And the cheese, oh, 100% primo cheese on these pies. You can pick your toppings as well. There's your conventional pepperoni or sausage, but there's also five cheese, Mexican, meatball, and pepperoni. Even a bacon cheeseburger za for you. My favorite, though, is the Lucky 7. Italian sausage, pepperoni, beef, Canadian bacon, and three types of cheese. Dang it, my mouth is watering just talking about it. I might need to go fire up the oven and make myself one before the podcast. Find your 7th Avenue pizzas at High V Cub Foods, Lunds and Byerly's, and Holiday Station stores. And go follow them on Twitter at 7th Avenue Pizza. Let them know Shock Fantasy steered you toward their amazing za. Ahoy, Shock Fantasy fans. This is Matt Harrison. And before the show begins, I have three jobs for you. First, please take a look at your phone and hit the subscribe button on the Shock Fantasy podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Second, wherever you're listening, give me a rating and a review for the show. If you include your Twitter handle in the review, we might send you something fun in the mail. We do that periodically. And third, if you haven't yet subscribed to the season pass of Shock Fantasy, you should. You get 365 days of the Shock Fantasy Super Dash, which gives you stats and info to set all of your weekly lineups, including DFS lineups. The redraft and dynasty trade value charts, so you never get taken to the cleaners in a trade. Our waiver wire content each week. The Super Bowl, Thanksgiving, and NFL Draft prop bet games so you can make friendly wagers with your family and friends at the most important football gatherings and preseason cheat sheets for basically every kind of fantasy football imaginable. You'd be getting those for next year. Now all of that curated color coded data comes to you for only $40 for a full year. That's 76.9 cents per week. But if you act now and use the promo code AirBear. You get the whole year for only 25 bucks. That's promo code AIRBEAR, A-I-R-B-E-A-R, for those of you who are brave spellers. Enter that at checkout and we'll knock off $15. Thanks for listening. On to the show. Now, first off, how would we describe shock? <laughs> Welcome to the fantasy. <laughs> nice. Nice. Man, you are one pathetic loser. Ridiculous. Completely ridiculous. Happy Wednesday, everybody. This is Matt Harrison. This is the Shock Fantasy Podcast, and appreciate all the new listeners chiming in, wanting to hear about the three Thanksgiving Thursday games. I'm going to preview all of them fantasy football weekly style with a little twist because uh, Charge can't stop me from putting pluses and minuses on these suckas in my own Shock Fantasy podcast. How about that? Uh, if you aren't following Shock Fantasy, follow us on Twitter at shockfantasy. 
not dot com. <laughs> That's our website at Shock Fantasy on Twitter and at Explosive Output on Twitter for me. Here we go. Let's dive into the matchups. We'll start with the earliest games. That's that's the Chicago Bears at the Detroit Lions. Justin Fields has not practiced at all this week with bruised ribs. He's listed as doubtful, which means we should likely see Andy Dalton under center for the Bears. Dalton did hop into the Baltimore game last week and filled in, uh, I guess, somewhat less than admirably. The stats look okay, 201 yards and two scores in a little over a half of work, but he completed only 11 of 23 passes. The Lions are the NFL team that has run on the most and passed on the least. They're allowing an average of only 30 passing attempts per game and a top 10 average of 249 passing yards per game. That's not very much. Now give Dalton 30 attempts, and I think he does find his way to 250 and 2. If that's enough in your league to merit a start, that's fine. I'll just give him a C grade here. His receivers, Allen Robinson, he didn't practice Monday or Tuesday, so his status is a bit up in the air. He'll be a game-time decision. I don't know if he'll go. Darnell Mooney was targeted 16 times last week, but he only caught five balls, and we did talk about this on yesterday's podcast. He did put up decent numbers despite the horrible completion rate. I'll give Mooney a B- minus here as the Lions are allowing only 11.5 receptions per game to the wide receiver position. That's the second fewest in the league. They are allowing some decent yardage, though, and with Robinson likely out, Mooney and Marquise Goodwin are seemingly the only show in town. Robinson and Goodwin on the bench either way, uh, even if Robinson does go in this one. Cole Komet has shown some flashes, but he's just too inconsistent to start in a non-disaster bye week for the tight end position, especially when this matchup is mediocre at best. The final bear we'll talk about is David Montgomery. He gets a B plus. That's right, a B plus. He's resumed the bell cow role in Chicago with Khalil Ground Bear, only seeing five total touches in the last two weeks. But Montgomery's been super ineffective against Pittsburgh and Baltimore in the last two, though. Both of those are top half of the league against the run, so maybe this is a grain of salt because the Lions are struggling against running backs. They've allowed the third most rushing yards, the third most rushing touchdowns, the most receiving touchdowns to running backs, and the second most overall touchdowns to running backs. It's only downgraded to a B plus because I still don't know if he's shaken off all the rust yet, but this might be a get-right game for David Montgomery. Flipping over to the Lions side, DeAndre Swift, he gets an A grade, two straight games with 130 rushing yards. The Bears have allowed the sixth most rushing yards per game in the league this year at 105 per contest. He's locked in as my favorite running back play in my Thanksgiving DFS lineups. Jared Goff looks like he's going to start this week as he's practiced in a limited fashion on Monday and Tuesday. I don't know how effective he's going to be, though, and the Bears are pretty decent against the pass, only allowing 244 yards per game and just a score and a half. That would actually be a big improvement on Goff's numbers this year if he could hit those defensive averages for the Bears. So Goff is on the bench, as in as is every wide receiver the Lions have but you probably weren't starting them anyway. If you were forced to start one, I'd throw the dart at Amon Ra St. Brown, who has led the team in receiving yards over their last three games. 
TJ Hawkinson just gets a C grade in in this one. He sees the most targets on the team and had eight looks last week after the stunning one-target, zero-catch performance in the Pittsburgh overtime game. Problem is, the Bears are top five against the tight end in receptions and yards allowed, so I don't really like Hawkinson all that much in this one. Before we move on to the next game, because that's the end of the Bears and Lions game. That one wasn't as exciting. We're going to throw in a segment that I like to call... Throw me a frickin' bone here. Yeah, that's right. Throw me a frickin' bone. Uh, By the way, the Thanksgiving prop bet game is on Shock Fantasy right now. It's $5 for non-members of Shock Fantasy. It's available to purchase in the shop. It's free for Shock Fantasy subscribers, though. Uh, The Thanksgiving prop bet game, similar to my Super Bowl prop bet game, fun, little, stupid, awesome prop bets, 21 questions in all, seven for each of the three games. Uh, You can start it in the the second game if you want and just play 14 questions, but uh, you can do it however you want, Uh, all written up, all the instructions on shockfantasy.com. And if you're not a member, go to shockfantasy.com slash shop, and you can view... uh, you know, the preview of it, the little sneak preview. Uh, and if you aren't a Shock Fantasy member, the promo code GOBBLE is our Black Friday sale on Shock Fantasy. If you get a membership or a season pass, as it's called, you can get a full year of Shock Fantasy for only 20 bucks. And if you're already a member, this just adds another 365 days to your account. So this is just a great deal for anyone. If you're a member or not, that promo code ends on Saturday. Remember, promo code GOBBLE, G-O-B-B-L-E. All right, let's move on to the Las Vegas Raiders at the Dallas Cowboys. That's the second game in the slate. Probably the most interesting one from a um, from a fantasy perspective. I want to start with the Raiders running backs. They're on a three-game losing streak, and it's coincided with Josh Jacobs getting 13 carries, then seven carries, then nine carries in those last three games. Ooh, wait. Nine times. Nine times. Now, his touch total average is 14 per game in that span, as Jacobs is still involved in the passing game, but he hasn't scored in three weeks. But no other running back has either, so Jacobs' workload is very concerning. Although, it's just not going to Kenyon Drake. It's not just flipping over. He's averaging only seven total touches. The Cowboys are very good against opposing runners, too, as they rank in the top 10 in rushing yards and rushing scores allowed to the position. If you're looking at the passing angle, it's not much better. They're only allowing five catches for 35 yards to opposing running backs through the air this season. They've only allowed one receiving touchdown to a running back as well. So Drake is on the bench firmly. Jacobs comes in at just a C plus, and I don't feel super great about that one. Derek Carr has been teetering on bad since the Raiders' week eight bye. Before that bye week, he had topped 300 yards five times in seven games and throwed for multiple touchdowns in six of seven. In the three weeks since the bye, he has not topped 300 yards once and has hit the two-touchdown pass mark only one time. Now, the Cowboys are easier to pass on than run as corners Trevon Diggs and Anthony Brown have allowed the most and the third most passing yards in their coverage, according to Pro Football Focus. So I'll throw a C-plus on Carr here. 
But if you're playing the Thanksgiving slate of games on Fanball, he's my third-ranked quarterback out of the six starters, so he's probably worth a pivot play in DFS. The wide receivers, Brian Edwards is slated to go up against Trevon Diggs the most, which is actually a positive matchup for him. When Diggs isn't picking the ball off, he's giving up big plays, so I'd like to submit The Gambler as the nickname for Diggs. It's all or nothing. Renfro normally flies from the slot where he'll face Jordan Lewis. Lewis has allowed the highest completion percentage amongst the Dallas corners at 66%. And since Renfro has been a target hog since the Henry Ruggs ordeal, I'm going to throw a solid B on Renfro and a harpoon. Yes, that's right. A C dart on Brian Edwards in this game. Darren Waller, of course, he gets an A- minus in this one. The good thing to happen since their buy is the Raiders have redoubled their efforts on getting Waller the ball. 11, 7, and 8 targets in the last three games. Had two 7-catch days in there. One of those went for 92 yards. The other one was last week. It went for 116 yards. Hasn't scored in that time frame. And Dallas hasn't allowed a tight end touchdown since week 6. So it might be a high yardage, high catch, maybe not a score kind of a game for Waller. They did somewhat corral Travis Kelsey to only five catches and 74 yards. I say only because that's Travis Kelsey. It's a great day for any other tight end. Uh, but I'd expect similar numbers numbers from Waller this week. Ezekiel Elliott uh, was a full participant in practice on Tuesday after being limited on Monday with the ankle injury. So I think we can fire him up as an A grade in this one. The Raiders are allowing almost 4.5 yards per carry and 104 rushing yards per game to opposing backs, both bottom 10 marks in the league. Tony Pollard, he gets a harpoon too, a C dart for him, uh, just in case Zeke's ankle isn't right. Plus, the Raiders are allowing the 10th most running back touches in the league at almost 29 per game, and Zeke's not going to get all 29 of those. I expect Pollard to get close to 10 touches here, so... He's worthy of a start as well. Um, He's probably worthy as a start because you got to consider that Amari Cooper will for sure be watching this game from the sideline. And it looks like CeeDee Lamb is uh, iffy at best with a concussion. Now, Lamb is in the protocol. He did not practice Monday or Tuesday. Mike McCarthy did say today, Wednesday, that Lamb should be good to go for Thursday. So I guess you have to take his word on that seeing as how it's coming from the head coach. But if Lamb does go, it's probably just a C grade as the Raiders have allowed the second fewest yards per game to opposing wide receivers at just 127 on the year. That's for a whole wide receiver group, not just C.D. Lamb. So I'll keep Lamb as a C grade. I'll, I'll throw Michael Gallup as a C grade as well. If Lamb is out, you could probably throw a plus on that. Um, And if Lamb is out, you might want to try to flex Cedric Wilson. But no, you don't want to play Cedric Wilson. He's on the bench. He faces slot corner Nate Hobbs, who's been absolutely locked down this year. He's only allowing 24 yards per game and has yet to allow a touchdown in his coverage this year. So Cedric Wilson, the slot wide receiver, he's on the bench. Dalton Schultz does get a B, though. The Raiders have allowed a double-digit PPR game to six of the 10 tight ends they've faced this year. That includes three touchdowns in the last five games to tight ends. 
And finally, Dak Prescott, he gets a B-plus in this one. The Raiders' pass rush has been legitimately good this year, which has helped hold many quarterbacks at bay, but there's been a few cracks since John Gruden's departure. Not that I'm giving John Gruden credit here, but just since that happened. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater in that span put up 334-3 in Week 6. Jalen Hurts put up a really nice fantasy day in Week 7, although he does a lot of his work on the ground. Mahomes torched them for 406 yards and five touchdowns in Week 10. Now, they were able to hold Joe Burrow to 148-1 last week, but the Bengals won that game by 20 and didn't really need to pass in that one, so... Yeah, Dak's good enough to do this, and it does appear that left tackle Tyron Smith will be able to go this week, but down Amari Cooper and maybe C.D. Lamb, I got to give him a slight downgrade here, so he goes from an A to a B plus in this one. All right, it's time for segment number two of... Throw me a freaking bone here. So I work at uh, Sports Hub Games Network, and one of our properties is Fanball. It's a nice little DFS product. I encourage you to download the Fanball app and play this week. A uh, lot of different things going on there. First off, we've got two big Thanksgiving contests at the $5 and $10 price points. Those can each help you pay for gifts for the holidays. So check out the Gravy Boat or the Super Flex Drive on Thanksgiving. Uh, second, there's a charitable Scott Fish Bowl contest this week. Very excited about this. It's $5 to enter. And we're donating 100% of everyone's entry fees to charity. And this week's charitable donation will go to the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence. The winner of that contest will get a spot in next year's Scott Fishbowl. And if you don't know about Scott Fishbowl, it's this giant, huge tournament that's a pro-am tournament. It's professionals from all around the fantasy industry. You know, the Matthew Berry types and the fantasy footballers and all those guys. Plus, it's got a whole bunch of celebrities in it, too. It's pretty cool. Um, it's not easy to get into this contest. And he does, Scott does put out, you know, different contests and different ways to get in. But uh, not easy to get it. And you can maybe score your way in for $5. And it's a donation. It's a good charity. And third, if you're new to Fanball and you haven't played there before, try out the Fanball free roll for Thanksgiving or Sunday, you can build up to 20 lineups for free and win tickets to future contests. So, ooh, we got that going for us. I am the smartest man alive! Yeah, I know. And everybody's probably saying, Well, we're waiting. You're waiting for that Buffalo-New Orleans matchup. I know, that's it. I'm going to start on the home team side because it's going to be really quick for the Saints. Alvin Kamara has not practiced this week with his MCL injury. It doesn't look like he will go. Now, Mark Ingram, he was limited on Monday, and he did not practice Tuesday. And seeing as how he's a veteran, they might just be giving him some rest on his injured knee. I presume he does suit up in this game, but the Bills are a terrible matchup for him. Buffalo's allowing only 24 total touches per game to opposing backs and 115 total yards. Both marks are fifth fewest in the league. Now, that's pretty much all going to go to Mark Ingram if he's active, though. He'll get the bell cow roll. So if he does go, I'll give him a C plus. And if for some reason Ingram can't play in this one, it's a combo platter of Dwayne Washington and Tony Jones. And I'd skip both of those like I skip pumpkin pie on Thanksgiving. 
because nobody should eat squash pie. It's gross. The passing game is on the bench for the Saints. The Bills allow the fewest passing yards and touchdowns at an average of 191 yards and 0.7 passing scores per game. Trevor Simeon is starting, and while he's looked good against Atlanta, Tennessee, and Philly, this defense is worlds better than those three. Simeon does seed red zone looks to Taysom Hill as well, so that's another strike against him. Of the wide receivers, Marquez Callaway has scored in three straight weeks, but he's had three, two, and one catch in his last three games, respectively. Traquan Smith has led the team in targets since Simeon took over, but hasn't scored a touchdown since then. And Adam Troutman was just put on IR with a knee injury, so Juwan Johnson is starting there. But it's still the Bills. It's a bad matchup for everyone in the passing game. They're all on the bench. On the other side, it's an A grade for Josh Allen. The Saints are giving up an average of 267 yards and 1.3 passing scores per game. That's okay. That's middle of the pack. But they've been toasted by running quarterbacks, and they've allowed the fourth most quarterback rushing attempts and the most rushing scores to quarterbacks this year at five already. That's half a chance at a rushing score this game. Give me a give me a half chance for Josh Allen at a rushing score. That sounds like six points to me. Steph Diggs is an A grade as well. Cole Beasley gets a B plus. I'm even going to fire up Emmanuel Sanders as a C plus in this game. The Saints are allowing 193 yards per game to the wide receiver position. That's the fourth most in the league. Diggs will see Marshawn Lattimore, who I'm sure has fond memories of him in his time in Minnesota. It was a pretty cool game where the Saints and Vikings played in Minnesota. Diggs was here. Oh, that was fun. Sideline touchdown. Woo! Diggs should create more memories as Lattimore's passer rating in his coverage this year is a whopping 122, and he's allowed five touchdowns in his coverage this year. Beasley's going to get to face safety-turned-slot-corner P.J. Williams most often as he's being tasked to cover the slot with C.J. Gardner-Johnson out. Sanders gets Paulson Adebo, who's already allowed four touchdowns in his coverage this year, and a passer rating of 107. Dawson Knox, he gets a C grade, and a C grade only for him. The Saints have been pretty good against the tight end, allowing about five catches and 43 yards per game. That's okay, but Knox makes his money in the end zone, and the Saints have only allowed one tight end to score this year. And finally, the running game, Zach Moss, Devin Singletary, and now Matt Breida. Yeah, Matt Breida. He's on the bench. All of them are on the bench. Breida led the team in carries last week with five. Yuck. Moss and Singletary each had three last week. In fact, no Buffalo back has topped eight carries in a single game since Zach Moss did it in week five. That was a long time ago. That was six weeks ago. Plus, the Saints are the best run defense in the league. They rank top five in basically every stat category against running backs. However, I would like to note, if you're on Fanball and you're looking at the Thanksgiving slate, just take a quick look at Devin Singletary's price tag. He might be the secret player. Ooh, secrets. 
All right, that's it for the Shock Fantasy Podcast. I appreciate all of you listening, whether you're new, whether you're old. Follow us on Twitter at Explosive Output, at Shock Fantasy on Twitter. And if you like what you hear, we do this podcast on Tuesdays for a waiver wire podcast, kind of similar to what we used to do at the old Fantasy Football Almost Daily. And then on Wednesdays, I usually put up the Thursday night matchup, Fantasy Football Weekly style, so everybody can get their lineup set with all of those. And, you know, always make sure to listen to Fantasy Football Weekly on iHeartRadio, your favorite podcast platform locally in Minneapolis on KFAN 100.3. Usually it plays Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. And uh, this week it's Paul Charchian, Scott Fish, and Brian Johnson holding down the show. Should be a blast. They're going to have a lot of time to wax poetic with me doing three of their games right here. So there you go. All right, thank you guys for listening, and I will talk at you again next week on the Shock Fantasy Podcast.